It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda to Dorkin Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel, and a choice of petrol, diesel, or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. Welcome to Midweek Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Louise, in the news today, the government are making changes to the rules for tipping and service charges. Just in general terms, if you're out for a meal, do you always tip? Yeah, unless I see the service charge, because that, then that means that the tipping is included in that, isn't it? So when you see a service charge, you don't tip? No. Okay. Because I was always told that is the tip. Yes, it's one or the other. Mm. Would you always tip? I'm just thinking about it in general terms. Say you go out to a restaurant and you went out for your lunch. Just, you know, an ordinary casual lunch. Would you tip at lunchtime? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I get you. If you're having a sandwich or whatever and you yeah, go you up know, to you pay. Yeah, you know, you just go in, you go in and you go into a restaurant and say it is table service, not carvery or anything like that. If you went in, you know, and sat down and ordered and somebody takes your order and brings it to the table for just a lunch, an ordinary mm-hmm. lunch. Not like, would you tip? Probably not as much. No, I don't no, think you I would. I think you go up, don't you, in those situations and there might be a tip jar and you have your, your card or whatever. I You'd put something in there. If you have, yeah. A card, I think, takes away, took away a lot of the tipping. Okay, let me move on through the day. See, I want to get to the nub of this. So you go then for your tea, a casual tea to a place as well. So you must think I eat out no, 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 no. I'm just <laughs> trying, I I'm just trying I to sort you. out the day here. You wouldn't be tipping at breakfast. That's number one. Lunchtime, I don't think so either. You go for your tea somewhere, you know, early mm-hmm. early dining, early board, early tea or whatever. Will you tip then if it's a, if it's tea? Rather than now... Uh, yeah, if it's an early bird, I would I would think that. Early is, uh, bird. Yeah. But tea, say tea rather than is early bird. You know, tea, I'm, early I'm bird, cutting no? straws here. There's yeah. probably a slight difference. And then nighttime, you go for a meal if, 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 yeah. if, and will you always tip when you go for a meal will you always tip actually I wouldn't tip if it was in McDonald's oh no or something like that oh no no well that so, le- let's rule all that out forget about that fast mm. food let's talk about restaurants just restaurants focusing just in restaurants if you go to a restaurant if I was went for breakfast in a restaurant or, or anything in a restaurant yes but yeah. I think in a coffee shop it'd be different different yeah hmm uh, and and you know evening time do you have to be happy with the service to tip will, will that make a tip or will you just tip as a matter of course I think tip as a matter of course but it would depend if the service was you know it would depend on how much yes you tip and how much would you tip would you tip uh, 5, ten, ten, 15, 10 percent ten percent yeah the norm? Ten, 10 is sort of the average some some people tip more I'd be with you there as well you get always tip services rather than goods 
Mm-hmm. You know, sit across the board, hairdressers. Yes. All that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I know. Yeah, yeah. That. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Once and and you're happy with it. You'll give that bit extra, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You think around about ten percent. Do you ever worry where the tips go when you leave a tip on the table or you give a tip on your credit card? No. You don't ever think about that. No. You just believe that it goes to. Yeah, you'd like. Well, yeah, you'd like to think it'd go to the, the person who serves serving your table. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What if it goes into a pot and, and it's it's, it's sh- distributed among everybody who's behind that service to you? I suppose that's fair too because, yes. you know, the cooks and everything so. doing the... Yeah, I, I think that's I very really fair. think so. That's and then somebody, you know, a colleague might be just brilliant and they might get, you know, a night of meanies, mm. you know, who mightn't tip at all. Yeah, so I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I'm just wondering, I'm thinking about this, in an Irish context, I wouldn't say we're the best tippers, are we, in the I world? I wouldn't say so. I think it's... I think it's a culture, isn't it? Yeah. Like you often remember mm. friends going on J1s over to oh, yeah. America and working in a bar or working in a restaurant yes. and they will tell you they make, you know, all their money through tips. Yes, but here's the thing. In the States when you go work and your basic salary is tiny in some yeah. places you don't get any. So yeah. you rely on the tips entirely. It's mm. a different culture altogether. Complete. I know that. And when yeah. you go drinking in a bar, you put your money on the bar and the barman manages for you yeah. quite differently. Irishmen, we go out tonight in the Wednesday club, the money goes back into your pocket <laughs> after each pint. you got to watch these fellas. Back into the pocket after each pint. You know what I'm talking Would about? Would you leave a tip now at the end of the night for the barman? No. On a Wednesday night? No, 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 no. no. Never, never. No, not in a bar. But in a food situation, yes, generally always and at least 10%, uh, I, I would. But I would say that we're poor tippers, the Irish in general. We're not good yeah. tippers. And I'd say people who work in the industry could probably tell you a bit more. And we're going to talk about that now in a second. Do you tip, ladies and gentlemen, please let us know today. Do you tip as a matter of course when you go for a meal? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us at the show. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you have anything to say on this, we'd also like to hear your views. And like that, Jerry, you mentioned, I never thought of that before, like lunch. Mm. Like, they're giving you just as good a service and they're probably, yes. you know, working hard. And But I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't tip breakfast yeah. or lunch myself, to be honest with you. And if I, went for, if I went for a high tea, I mightn't either. But certainly for a meal where I'm served at table, it's just, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't think, I think... It, I suppose for thought there. I think. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like people to consider that. That's just my, my take on it. Uh, but let's see. Let's talk to somebody who knows a lot about this. He's the manager of Number 3 Wine Bar and Restaurant in Cullen. Beautiful place. And he has lots of experience on the other side working in other establishments as well Wayne Fitzpatrick welcome to the show Hello Jerry. how are you? I'm really good you're listening to us nathered on there myself and Louise in, in a general sense but can you clarify something for us first Wayne where the service charge versus the tip if there's a service charge it's no tip is that it? Well I think it varies on the establishment so ourselves out number three we never put a service charge on even if it's a party of 10, 15, 20 we're pretty much of the opinion that it's up to the customer's discretion to add something extra on. Mm. Um, there is a lot of confusion in the industry because there are quite a few places I've heard of that they add on the service charge, but it may ne- not necessarily actually go towards the staff as a tip. Like I was actually I was in a restaurant on Sunday at a day off, and that was the case. We asked, oh, there's a service charge of 10 or 5% added at the very end. So we just asked, oh, is that a tip or is that a service charge? And we were told, oh, it's a service charge due to just us being a larger party. So it takes a little bit more effort to 
to get everything done. But ourselves, we don't add on a service charge. We just leave it completely up to the customer's discretion. But if I go to a restaurant tomorrow, from your experience, and I see a service charge, there's no need to tip? Um, I think that's the, that's the general consensus. But the reality on the other side of it is, you just don't know, is that service charge actually a tip? Mm. Or is it going to the business itself? Yeah. It, it, and I think that's the problem, and that's why they're looking for legislation at the moment. Um, but then, as well as that, part of the problem also is that in quite a lot of places, tips actually don't go to staff. I was in a restaurant once um, coming up from Cork, actually. We were, we were buying antique furniture for the restaurant that we have here. We stopped off somewhere halfway between Cork and, and Drogheda for something to eat. And I actually, I went to tip on a card. So even if somebody in our place, if somebody tips with a card, let's just say they round a 90 or bill up to 100, then 10 euro just gets taken out of the till and put into the tip jar. So whether you pay with card or whether you pay with cash, a tip is always a tip for ourselves. Yes. Um, and actually, I went to round up with a card and the lady kind of discreetly told me not to, the lady who was serving us. And I said, oh, well, how come? And she said, it doesn't go to us. And so I, I said, okay, well, I'll actually I'll try and tip with, um, with cash. And when I went to go and tip with cash, so this wasn't a service charge, this was actually just a tip. And she said, no, no, not even in cash doesn't go to us either. That's not right, Rain. That's not right at all, is it? No, 100%. And I think that's why this legislation is coming into place to kind of try and tackle those discrepancies amongst businesses. That's what worries me with the card when I say add-on or whatever. You're happy at the end that you give the card. And that's always been a little niggle in my mind. And it's probably something... You were in your rights to ask, aren't you? Oh, 100%. And we do get people asking. We get people asking here. And the way our tips are distributed... It doesn't, let's just say, I don't know, Wayne is serving your section and you leave a tip. It doesn't necessarily only go to Wayne. We top, top them all up at the very end of the night. Yeah. And let's just say there's 100 euro left there at the end of the night and there's 10 staff. Then it gets divided amongst the staff, whether you're kitchen porter, head chef, barman, on the floor. It's, I'm definitely of the belief that they're tipping because they've enjoyed everything. The plates are clean. There's no smudges on the place. The kitchen port is doing a good job. The presentation, the food is nice. The chef is doing a good job. Your cocktail is nice. The barman is doing a good jo- job. Mm. The only the only time we vary from that is maybe if somebody came up to myself or, or my business partner and said, either, you know, here's 20 euro. Can you make sure um, Anna over there gets that? And okay. then that's then if the customer requested to go specifically to member staff who served them, then we'll kind of bypass the regular route and make sure that just goes directly to the to the member staff but that's only if a customer asks I want that tip to go to this person specifically yeah. if it's just left then it's divided amongst everyone no matter what your position is I really like what you're doing there and that's good to know that if something is asked in a specific request uh, you acquiesce to that as well but so just to refresh that if you get 100 euro at the end of the night and there's 10 people involved in the service overall everybody gets a tenner what's this about the pencil cases I'm intrigued <laughs> yeah. so I was actually um, I was working in a restaurant when I was about sixteen, and um, they they didn't they didn't have any fancy way of doing tips. It was just pretty much so everyone had a pencil case with their name on it. So actually, I carried it on to to here. So every every night at the end of the shift, when we get the tips done, um, it just gets divided up. We write it down in a little log book just to make sure everyone can go back and say, "Yes, yeah, you know, it was excellent on that night. I did get my fair share." And it just gets put into their, into their little pencil case so they can come and pick it up whenever 
whenever they like. <laughs> so it's the school around. It's it, it's the yeah. school around the corner. Can we say at number three wine bar and restaurant in Cullen? I think it's a lovely idea. So each member of staff has their own little case, and their monies are divided across that, and and it's theirs. And you do it at the end of every night. Um, at the end of every night. Now the only thing is, if we have, let's just say, if loads of people are paying with high notes and there isn't enough change. It might be done every second or third night, maybe if you just don't have enough change to divide yes. it out. Or if, let's just say it was a particularly quiet night, I don't know, 60 people, or sorry, 60 euro um, left as a tip, and you have an odd number, like 9, 10, 11 people that just can't be divided out nice and neatly. It might roll over into the next stage, but it's still allocated to what you've actually worked compared yes. to the actual specific say, if that makes sense. Mm. Um You've worked elsewhere. Uh, you've learned your trade, of course, in other places, and you've worked for others as well. Um, I was talking to Martina earlier on, and, and she was just of the view uh, that, you know, that in a lot of places, the tips actually don't filter down or don't get to the staff. Would that be, in general, your experience over the years? Um, do you know, I've, I've had a lot of different experience, both with, would you believe it or not, interviewing people for this business or places that I'd worked beforehand. I know there was definitely one restaurant I worked in where the service charge wasn't filtered down. Yeah. And I think I almost got fired once or twice because I just I just kept on forgetting to put it on. It just wasn't in me to do it. I, did, I didn't think it was right. Um, so I, I think it only lasted maybe two months in that specific restaurant. But mm. would you believe we actually, years ago when we were opening up, we were interviewing a, um, a head chef. It was a head chef in a, in, in a Dublin restaurant. And he was basically seeing what he's on. It's the usual kind of um, market barter almost for for a salary. And he actually told us that no matter what the tips are in the establishment he was working in at the time, he himself, as the head chef, was entitled to twenty percent of it. My no, ma- yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. There was somebody else who actually told me at the end of every week, no matter let's just say they took in two hundred euro in in tips or if they took in 400 euro in tips it guaranteed X amount of that went to the head chef as part of the salary as well mm. but so with you which isn't fair yeah and, and, and it's not it's not to make flesh of one and flesh of another as they'd say but uh, in your case it's done absolutely democratically it's across the board and, and the other thing I do know both Martina uh, and yourself you don't benefit from the tips is that right? yeah no that's true that's true we, we don't take anything out of it so it's for the staff completely. It's just for them. Fair juice. Yeah, I, 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 I admire you for this because it is open. You have to say with the legislation coming forward, obviously there's been a problem and it is open, Wayne, to abuse. Yeah, no, it definitely is open to abuse. But on one part of it, that, and I don't know the exact legislation, but one of the things I did read there recently enough was that let's just say, like myself and my mum, we're, we're here as owners, as managers running the place, etc. But we also do work in it. So, but it's our own choice not to take anything specifically for ourselves. But there are lines in the legislation where if somebody is in that boat, let's just say it's an, an owner-run place and maybe only two or three of them, that they are then entitled to actually take their fair share if they actually do wish to, as long as they're actually working yeah. in the house and working in the premises. So it's not to say that somebody who runs a business and mm. is never actually physically there has a share of it. Yes. So I think that's the I think that's quite an important bit that seems to be coming down the line as well. And that I think they're looking at it and saying it could potentially be abused in some way. So they're making sure if there is a an owner or a manager share, they can only do it as long as they're actually working there on the premises. Yes. So you welcome this? Yes, yeah definitely I definitely do welcome it. Even for my own peace of mind. Like I I know I'm I'm comfortable with what we do here. 
and I can stand over and say, yeah, this is black and white. It's very transparent. Everyone, when they start on board with us, the test policy is explained to them. And um, look, you do you do get people the odd time trying to kind of circumvent it a little bit, but thankfully, very, very, very rare. Um, I think there definitely would have been an, an atmosphere or an environment in the past, and a lot of older establishments maybe where whatever you get in your section is completely yours, you know. So mm. you'd almost get people coming in trying to serve tables in other people's areas, yes. maybe not helping somebody else. Because oh no, I'm not going to benefit. That's just going to benefit them. So that's one of the reasons why we just try and do it. You count as one bad body, no matter where you are in the in the building. Well, I congratulate you, and I, I, I'm remiss of me to mention, I mentioned Martina. Martina is your mum, of course, and uh, you're there together in, in business in uh, number three wine bar and restaurant in Cullen. Uh, do you get on like a house on fire? Oh, yeah, we probably kill each other at least once every week. <laughs> <laughs> She'll kill me for asking that question, but sure, I just had to when I had the opportunity that she's not here and I have you to myself. Anyway, Wayne, uh, thank you so much. You've been uh, very informative indeed and continued success to you there in your wonderful venture in Cullen. Thanks for having us on. Thank you so much. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Wayne Fitzpatrick there, manager of number three wine bar and restaurant in Cullen. Have you anything to say about tips and tipping and service charges that are coming in the messages? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. We're discussing the abuse of referees and officials on late lunch after two o'clock. Thanks for your comments. I'm coming back to them after two. Kevin was been on to say, if the service charge is not going to staff, do you have to pay it? Yes, you have to pay it. But as I asked Wayne, you're entitled to ask the establishment is that service charge going to the people who've served us tonight I'll come back I've lots of comments there keep them coming to me 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text it's Gavin James on our way to two with hearts on fire strangers in my head will keep making me forget where I came from Thank you so much for your comments on the tipping. Uh, just a, a few of them. I'm going to come back to them because I have quite a lot have come into me in the last while. You still have time if you want to say anything about tipping or service charges. 086-1800-658. Jerry, why should we pay a service charge? The staff get the minimum wage. The food is overpriced as it is, says Anne. Yes, the minimum wage. A few extra euro, Anne, is always appreciated by the staff, but I, I do hear what you're saying. Yes, Jerry. I tip for restaurant service but never when there's a service charge many years ago we were in the bar business and some American tourists arrived in they said they were advised not to tip in Ireland as there's a service charge on everything bah says that listener mm, not true really um, some more of them Mary's been on to say I only tip if the food and service is good rude service Jerry equals no tip thanks Mary we shouldn't have to pay a tip says another listener McDonald's, Tesco, your local butcher shop don't get tips, do they, Jerry? But I actually do tip, says that uh, listener. Thanks indeed. There's more there and I will come back to them. I read them all uh, when we're inundated. Well, it's difficult to get them all out, but within reason and once they're within reason, I will read them. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Now, we move on and this is an old chestnut at this stage. The Oireachtas Committee on Sport uh, published uh, 11 recommendations yesterday in a report called The Elimination of Abuse Directed Toward 
boards, referees, officials and players in sport. And there's quite a lot in it. But will it in effect make any difference? Well, we're going to talk to, uh, for the next while, to a good friend of ours. He's a former FIFA referee. If you uh, want to join him, his podcast is known as The Hanging Judge. Dr. Errol Sweeney, welcome back to Late Lunch. Thanks, Jerry. Good to be with you. Good to have you with us. Well, look, I've been looking at this since uh, it came out yesterday and again this morning, Errol. An ombudsman, they're talking about uh, an ombudsman in this whole area. Um, A working group of the key stakeholders across uh, the sporting divide to develop a national code of conduct conduct um, uh, and people uh, obliged to adhere to the principles of that code and a range of supports for referees, officials and players. It's all very good. Will it make a difference, Errol? Jerry, there's already um, ample, what's the word, um, solutions to this problem. Um, As far as um, um, getting people to adhere to uh, normal behaviour, if, if that's the right word, and respect for match officials. We have it in rugby. There's never a problem in rugby. Why should it be in other sports? Yes. In soccer now, particularly, uh, which is my forte, as it were, um, it's, it's quite, it's widespread to the extent that a lot of guys are not only retiring early, but other young kids are not even going to take it up refereeing. And it all comes down to the lack of uh, action by the powers that be when referees are abused or they send in a report. I mean, there's been some horrific stories mm. um, and not just anecdotes. I mean, there's evidence there. There was one man referee in Athlone of the same name, Daniel Sweeney, no relation. I mean, this guy was beaten. He had his eye socket broken, his jaw broken and his nose broken in the car park after a game by four guys. Now, that, that guy, not, they, those guys should not only be reported uh, to the, their football association, but they should also be reported to the guards for assault. That's grievous bodily harm. And that, those guys should go to jail. There is ways and means of doing it, but unfortunately the powers that be are always found wanting. Now this is another report that's come out, and this only came out because of the games that were called off last November, something like... Over 500 games were called off last year. Yep. The referee said, enough is enough. But has anything been done? Now we have this big fancy report with politicians getting their name in the paper and their photographs on this report, and what will they do? They're not there at the coalface. They're not there when referees are abused and assaulted. They're somewhere hiding away behind some other... I can't find the word for it, but you know what I mean? There needs to be real action. When a referee reports an incident where he has been abused or even worse, assaulted, there needs to be strong, swift, stern action taken immediately. In fairness uh, to Imelda Munster and others, they they are with you on this. They say it's no good making recommendations and leaving this report on the shelf to gather the dust. It must be acted upon and and implemented. By the way, that case in that loan, uh, criminal charges were uh, forthcoming in that one and I think life bans all round. The other thing is that you allude to there, that was the Dublin District Schoolboys League. All games called off for a number of weeks. No football for children. So who's suffering at the end of the day, Errol, here? This is it. This is it. And the kids, the kids who are playing, they're the ones that are suffering. But at the same time, the kids who are playing, it's some of those kids, if we can call them kids, and some of them are teenagers, 
they, some of their teammates are the, the cause of this problem. Mm. Now, what are the clubs doing about it? I mean, um, talk is very, very cheap. We want action. We want stern um, action taken against the perpetrators. And unless that's done, and until it's done, I think the referees should just, just don't do the games, period. Then somebody will wake up one day and say, listen, we need to do something about this. Isn't it interesting, in a way, what you mentioned there? That, And I, I want to come back to this. Why... Are rugby referees so respected when soccer, soccer, I'd say, is the worst of all and GAA have big problems as well. We know that with refereeing and the abuse of officials. Why ha- Why does rugby, why is it not a blight on rugby, really? Because the rugby authorities do take action <clears throat> against players who, who offend and, and, you know, strong action. It's not happening in soccer. It's not happening in uh, Gaelic. Now, sometimes I have seen guys getting 24, 48 week suspensions, and rightly so. And maybe that's why, at, certainly at, at county level, there doesn't seem to be that much bother. But it's at local level where a lot of this happens, where there's no spectators as such. There's no evidence. There's nobody there to see what's happening. It's happening at junior level, if we call it that, uh, if we call the, the League of Ireland senior level. It's happening at junior games in soccer as well. And it has to be stopped. I'm a firm believer, and I've been promoting this on my blogs and elsewhere, there should be an independent refereeing body controlling referees. And they, now I know people will say, well, that's self-regulation. Well, the normal regulation is not working, so maybe, maybe we need to try something different. So that the referees can get together and say, that team caused one of our referees hassle last week or abused one of our referees or assaulted one of our referees, we will not referee that team anymore until they clean up their, their house. And it really needs, you know, if you, have a, if you have a cut on your finger, Jerry, you can't just put a plaster on top of a plaster on top of a plaster. You're hiding the real problem. You've got to take away all the plasters, clean out the problem and let it heal. And unless they do that with soccer refereeing, we're going to have, I mean, there's already a shortage of referees anyway. So something really like that needs to be done. And I, I really do promote it again, an independent refereeing body. Away from all the soccer politicians, away from all the national politicians, these reports are grand, but I can promise you it'll sit on the shelf and gather dust and nothing will be done about it. Yeah, Shane Castle's also mentioning about the real abuse happening at underage level as well uh, across the sports, that, that there's a huge issue there, uh, as you mentioned. Look, when, when you uh, talk about abuse as well, it, it's just not now on the field of play or afterwards. It's online, Errol, and you're well aware of this as well. It carries on uh, where people who do something, you know, for, for the love of it mostly, are absolutely assaulted on social media. This is another serious aspect of this. Yeah, but this is where the powers that be need to take action, Jerry. They're not blind to these things. Social media, everybody's on social media now. And these guys must also be on social media. And if there's that kind of abuse taking place online, then it should be reported to the disciplinary committees of the various leagues and say, this is happening in your league. What are you going to do about it? But there's nothing. And I'm sorry, this is a lovely report, and I'm just flicking through it now as well. And it's all lovely and well presented and so on. What are they, what's, what, what are they going to do about it? When are they going to take action? Mm. When are they going to say, enough is enough, we're not going to have it anymore? I'll tell you when they'll do it, Jerry. When there's the next big withdrawal of services by referees, 
in, in major leagues, let's say this is the Dublin and District School by and fair play to them for taking action. And I know Sean Slattery, who's the, the uh, uh, Dublin president of the Irish Soccer Referee Society, and he's a good guy. But his hands are tied because it's the leagues that control things. The referees need to take control themselves. They have a society, the Irish Soccer Referees Society, of which I was a member way back in the day. But that's all they are. They're a society. They're not a union. And they have very little power. And Errol, what about, uh, what about you know, the images that are portrayed on our TV screens? When, for example, in GAA the weekend, you saw what happened at Croke Park uh, with Armand Galway and what happened there and the images that, you, you know, for youngsters at the game, watching it on television, you watch the Premier League, a, a, any game really, the referee is surrounded by all these uh, players, you know, and he's never going to change his mind, but they give him hell and he gets held from the sideline as well. That sets a shocking example too, doesn't it? Why don't the referees take action? They have yellow and red cards, but they tend to try and patronise players and, and tell them to calm down, while all the time these guys are going at the referee like, like wild dogs. I mean, they have yellow and red cards. Why don't they do it? Why don't they use them? Because the powers that be won't back them up when the disciplinary report goes in. They won't back them up. They'll say the referee overreacted or he, was, he panicked and he lost control of the game. What a load of nonsense. I want to see more players red-carded for this type of thing. And yes, it'll cause a lot of disruption perhaps in the early stages. But eventually, if there's consistency with all the referees doing the same thing at the same time for the same incidents, they'll soon catch on. See, Jerry, particularly in soccer, Soccer is not sport anymore at, the, at Premier League or even international um, championship level or even here in League of Ireland. It's not a sport anymore. It's a business. And in some cases, it's a very lucrative business. In some cases, it's a very expensive business. And team winning or losing by that odd goal that some say is controversial, that can mean they're either promoted or relegated. And that costs a lot of money. So it's money that's the heart of the problem here. Now, I want to see the referees get out there in the new season and start dishing out red and yellow cards. Not willy-nilly, but when they are deserved. And not making excuses, oh, the player, um, his momentum carried him through. And Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. You're responsible for your actions. If your momentum carries you through when you're walking on the street and you go out in front of a car, it's not the car driver's fault. It's your fault because your, quote, momentum carried you in front of the car. I want to see referees really standing up and be counted on this issue. I think uh, games would be abandoned. Uh, we wouldn't have enough players to finish them. But we hear, and I hear what you're saying as well, I think if they, yeah. if they, if they made it clear that this wasn't acceptable, pretty quickly people would cop on and it would stop. Errol, have to leave it there for today. Thank you so much for your opinion as always. Really appreciate it. Very welcome, Jerry. Thanks. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Dr Errol Sweeney there, former FIFA referee and the hanging judge is his blog podcast. Uh, check him out. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Eamon's been on to say, well, Jerry, in all fairness, it was handbag stuff with Armour and Galway. Social media at it again, out in force. An old brawl never done any harm. Radio and TV loving all of this stuff. 
but I suppose that's what it's all about. Well, interestingly, I read Colm O'Rourke had a, a lot to say about it, and um, Colm, you know, had, had his own moments, we have to say, in his career as well, but he was just saying that uh, he wasn't impressed at all what happened at Crow Park the weekend. Now, back to your comments on uh, the whole issue of tips and tipping and service charges. Paul says, Jerry, service charge my backside. You're hardly going to serve yourself should be included in the price of food, says Paul. What do you think, Louise? I think that may happen when the service charge goes that the price is on the menu. Yeah, you were saying that earlier. Will more than likely mm. increase. That's just my 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 opinion. Maybe I, I'm totally wrong there. I don't know, though, because they are going up, you know, mm. through no fault of theirs with everything happening. Will they add on even more? Um, It'd be... Pushing it, yeah, pushing yeah, it. It'd, certainly, be. it'd certainly be pushing it. You might get smaller portions. Mm, possibly. <laughs> possibly, possibly, <laughs> yes. Um, Michelle was on to say, you tip for everything in the United States. That is a fact. Yes. Everything, Louise. You're just expected to tip. And if you don't, oh my God, I wouldn't even take a chance of not doing it, to be honest with you. Everyone is tipped. Uh, bellboy at the door. Taxis. Uh, oh, yeah. Taxis are tipped here, though, as... Taxis, uh, you you go to a hotel, the bellboy looking after your bag, someone takes you up to your room, restaurants, bars, all over the place in terms of service and that you must tip in, in the States. There's another one. Yes, I tip for evening meals and my bartender uh, in my local as their young students. Uh, mm. a, a five euro tip, says Patricia, and they're very grateful of it. I'm sure they are. Well done to you, Patricia. I think ha- especially if you're in it, like a beer garden and guys, you know, young students or young bar people come down to serve you at the table. Yes. And bring the drinks back yes. then. I think they should be tipped. Could be a more expensive Wednesday night for the Wednesday club, the way <laughs> yeah. we're going. They won't thank me for that. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> Hi, Jerry. We always tip breakfast, lunch or dinner. You're being served and you should tip, says Valerie and Drawhada today. There you go. Um, another one there. I work in a very busy takeaway. I know I work as hard, if not harder, than waitresses in restaurants. And customers will stand and wait for every 10 cent change. I do tip myself in restaurants and takeaways because I know how hard they work, says Wendy. That's a very good point Wendy makes there. Thank you for, for getting in touch with us, Wendy. A Especially busy- after the pub. I wonder how many people would line up in a takeaway for their bag of chips and, well, and I cod can, and I, I can say, tell you. take an extra fiver there. Yeah, Wendy's right. They, they are very busy. You know what, busy yeah. times in a day, you would be ran off your feet. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it's very hot in you know certain places depending on the yeah, temperatures you make a good point Wendy but no one you're right in the takeaway they, you wait for every cent to come back into <laughs> your palm or whatever uh, of change to be given back to you that is true it's just a thing I'm sorry I don't think takeaways are going to come in under it Jerry had a bowl of soup last week 7 euro <gasps> 50 Seven euro fifty a for a bowl of soup. <laughs> there must have been salmon, and <laughs> there must have been salmon swimming round in it, and prawns still wriggling in it for that price. Seven fifty for a bowl of soup. You're joking me. Get that- sliced pan with. It. Oh well, yeah. You'd want to be getting your dinner with it for that. <laughs> Uh, on the uh, issue we were talking about with Errol and uh, referees and the abuse of officials across the board in sport. Hi, Jerry. Why don't they set up a course to explain why the ref is right at the time and his decision is final and add in some anger management at the same time too? I think this could solve a lot of the trouble, says a listener to us this afternoon. But on on, on the scenario of tipping, I, mm. I love to tip when you get nice food and good service. Somebody else said that earlier on. 
There's no doubt about yeah. that. I like to give a tip uh, and rare, be very rare. Unless I was disappointed with something, I wouldn't. But um, on the card, you know when you, you present your card yeah. and, and tap, that's what I want to know, that the money is going, you know, mm. to the people. Who well, I was saying to you earlier that I have a friend and her whole family went away to a hotel down the country for Christmas, either, I don't know, last year or the year before. Yeah. And they had a lady assigned to them who was amazing. Just every need... She was there, looked after them, no problem. And they wanted to tip her. And she said, uh, no, we don't, we don't, the tips don't go to us. So don't bother. And they just wanted to do something for the girl, you know. So when they were leaving, they all clubbed around, got a couple of hundred quid or whatever and put it into a Christmas card. And gave it to and her. And gave it to her. And she so got that it. was her Christmas card gift. Well That's done. That's the way they got around it. Well done. That's really nice to do that. Mm. But to give it and think that it wouldn't make its way to the staff. That's why I see uh, real merit in this legislation and that it's implemented again. You know what I mean? What We talk about things here and laws and regulations and everything, but it's got to be implemented. You know, that that is the important thing about it. But in, in, in decency, and, and like I have to say, Wayne Fitzpatrick from Number 3 Wine Bar and Restaurant in Cullinan who joined us top of the show, they're decent people. You know, himself mm. and Martina's mum, they're decent people. They do the right thing. Yeah, the money you know, is divided and it goes to everybody. And I'd like to think that most places are like that. The vast majority of places, you know, that they do that and the tips go I'm to sure the people. I'm sure there are. They are. Yeah. But I remember the first time I ever went to America and we couldn't get over this tip situation, you know, <laughs> leaving the dollars on the bar. Mm. No, a friend of mine said who lived over in, in Queens said, you've got it, Jerry, you've got to put them dollars in the bar and just leave them there and let the barman manage this for you. I'm looking, I'm thinking, you know, what that was the World Cup back in 1990. But um, yeah, it's a different, it's a different, um, you know, different culture. System. Yeah, a yeah. different system altogether, you know. And there's nothing to beat, I have to say, there's nothing to beat a smile, a chat, good service, feeling at home with good food. You know, it's worth it. it it's, it's certainly worth it to tip in, in that circumstances. But I still think in Ireland, we've a bit to go. Would that be fair to say? We've a bit to go when it comes to tipping. Or do you think it's it's changed a lot and that we are I think now? it is changed. I think we are yeah. on the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I understand. But I, I do think, you know, yeah, needs a bit of... It's just a cultural thing, Jerry. It certainly is. Keep the comments coming to us. Will O'Rourke give back his 87 medal against Mayo, says a listener. Well, we all know what happened in 87. I know what you're getting at there. Nice to uh, hear from me on the show this afternoon. Interesting point you make. €8.20, Jerry, for two coffees extra for the oat milk, which I requested. Eight twenty for two coffees. God, that's steep, isn't it? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text to talk to us on the show. Now, the Leaving Cert finished up this week with many students and parents thankful to see the end of it but no sooner it finishes than the attention turns to college places applications change of mind and lots more so with a lot going on we're joined by Dennis Leonard Principal of Dunboyne College of Further Education and Career Guidance Counselor to talk about some important dates that students and parents need to be aware of Dennis welcome back to the show How are you Jerry? How are you getting on? How's the form? I'm really good Great to have you with us again and Dennis, change of mind, will you explain, please? Yes, uh, students would have filled in their initial CAO 
offer for the 1st of February and uh, in fact students can apply right up to the end of April the way the, the current system works but really from the beginning of May until this Friday the 1st of July at 5 o'clock they have the opportunity to go online and move around any of their choices they could add choices they might have filled in a blank CEO the first time once they're registered they're in whatever they put in and whatever sitting on their form at 5 o'clock this Friday evening is exactly what the CAO will actually use no matter how many times they've changed their mind in between so that becomes their final choice so some people might be looking at you know maybe different degree courses that they didn't think of before maybe certain subjects didn't go well and they're leaving certain they're changing their mind about their first choice of career option uh, students should always put 10 choices on their level 8 and up to 10 on their level 7s uh, if they if they so choose and also to consider further education courses which are now on CAO as well so it's very important that people take these few days they have a couple of days left between now and 5 o'clock Friday to really look at what did I put in as my CAO what do I really want most of all and the way to do it Jerry, is simply to say if I only had one choice for all the hundreds and hundreds of courses in Ireland what would that be and that goes number one and if I was given a second chance in case I didn't get the number of points for that what would be my number two and so on down the list in order of preference don't try and guess the points don't try and do anything just do it simply by what you want to do where is your passion where is your number one choice and there's no harm in revisiting that or if you've had a change of heart or mind or something has happened in the interim that says to you actually it's not that one now number one or two this is your opportunity Absolutely. The number one or two could slip down to seven or eight mm. or whatever. Well, mm. Because really what happens to students, and I've been a career guidance counsellor for decades, and one thing I did notice is students, when they fill in the form in, in, in February, first by the first, really not really sure what they want to do, haven't had mocks yet, haven't had the leave insert. And then what happens is when the leave insert's over, you really have a focused chance to say, these are really the subjects I did well in, these are the things I like to do, this is where my passion is, and now I revisit the form and I say this is most important to me to get into this particular course don't go by college, don't go by location if you can, if, if it's possible to travel, obviously that always is constraints, sometimes people just go for a local college but sometimes people say well I just want to go to Galway or Cork or Limerick and see what they have, never pick like that always pick what is the course area I most want to go into and which is the university or institution that offers me the course that most meets those needs Outside of, uh, you know, the colleges and, you know, the, the well-known, let's say, I don't like using that, but the, but the prime uh, universities, uh, institutes of technologies and that as well that are there, what else is there in there that students can be looking at? Well, look, at uh, it, it's so important that everybody looks at all their options. You know, 30 and 40 years ago, there was hardly a choice in the country. There was a few universities. Mm. Now there's technical universities, there's IT colleges, there's small private colleges. But what people often, Simon Harris has been very good about pushing the fact, it's now the Department of Further and Higher Education. So in other words, people need to look at all of the courses that are available. There's a lot of one- and two-year courses in places like ourselves in Dunboyne and Drogheda there beside you in Diffie, you know, Fee College in Dundalk, and all across the country there are many one-year courses that aren't just a back door into university. What they are is a chance to explore for a year. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to do nursing. I'd like to do arts. I'd like to do law. You know, I'd like to do something like that, but I'm not really sure 
uh, do I want to pursue a four-year degree in it? When students come to, say, the likes of further education, like our own courses, they learn research, they learn writing, they learn reflection, you know, they learn communication and presentation skills, referencing, self-directed learning. All these skills become so important when you go to college. So here's a chance to do a course on your doorstep in exactly what you want to do in a whole range of pre-university areas. And for those who don't want to do a university course at all, there are so many apprenticeships out there, traineeships, and even a lot of our courses that we offer through our PLC colleges are in the pre-employment area, like nursing or hairdressing or animal care, you know, sports, rehabilitation, all those type of courses, very much hands-on courses for people who want to do something practical. Because, Jerry, one important figure is this, that 70% of people in the country often say they want to do a university course or third level course but only 40% needed for the career they want to get into mm-hmm. so it's very important that you make the right choice because sometimes by doing a one year course you instill in yourself, this is what I want to do. You become focused on it. The dropout rate is very, very low. It's less than 3% for people to do a further education course first and then go on to university, compared to 10 to 20% for an awful lot of people who go straight from leave and search. Like the dropout rates were huge this year in third level because people just weren't ready for to make that step at 17, 18 years of age to head off into a four-year course in something they were never really 100% sure they wanted to do to begin with. Yes, and you're only committing a year to this if it's not not for you, you can change tack then quite easily or you may see that this year actually opens the gateway into something that you're meant to do and the other thing you touch on there Dennis um, apprenticeship to the trades my god is there a scarcity especially in the construction area Yes, and, uh, you know, Andrew Bromley of Solace and other people have been on in a lot of media outlets over the last few weeks pushing the whole apprenticeship idea. There's over 60 of them now. A lot of them are very new in areas, even like insurance or banking, whatever else. So, like, you know, the old-style apprenticeship where you had to do carpentry or electrical yes. or, or welding or something like that, they've been broadened so that you get on-the-job training with an employer where you're going to do the theory and you're putting into practice immediately. And that's what PLC courses offer you as well, like ours are out in the hospital wards, they're in the animal... You you know, science shelters, they're, they're actually in science labs, they're in the actual place where they put their theory into practice on a weekly basis. There's nothing like on-the-job training with very reputable companies who will show you the ropes and then when you go back into college, you'll know exactly the importance of what you're learning. Now, the minister, you mentioned him, uh, Simon Harris there, made an announcement uh, in the last number of hours about uh, the uh, post-leaving cert levy, the cost of going to college, of course, on everybody's mind. Can you enlighten us on this, please? Yes. Um, you know, first of all, you know, there's always been a, there was always a government levy for a number of years of, of 200 euros, which was a kind of a fee, you know, collected so that it would supplement the whole, uh, you know, PLC route into 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 higher education. But now that has been scrapped. So really, what is what is in most colleges now is just a very nominal registration fee that covers the very basics of maybe a few of their trips, books and student cards. Could be 100 or 200 euros, something like that. They still pay a 50 euro exam fee, which goes to QQI. But people who are on medical card actually are exempt from that. So the, the cost has been brought way down. Now, what people do end up paying in these courses is for any equipment they get, like uniforms or, you know, kits or stethoscopes. In other words, equipment that they keep, they pay for and they get get to keep. But other than that, there is very little charge now to go into a PLC course so because the government levy has now been scrapped. 
Beyond uh, these days and the change of mind on the CAO, uh, the next big date, of course, is the 2nd of September has been announced as the day yeah. the Leaving Cert results will come out. So, you know, for students between now and then, when you've, when you've done this, it's time to relax, isn't it, and, and take oh, a hand? Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, we've, you know, thousands of students around the country have done our courses and, you know, and, and in, like I say, in Ophi, Diffie or, or Dunboyne, and they're now waiting on, on their offers as well. And their offers actually come out, um, you know, far early because their results are have been in from you know yes. from June they're certified so they'll start getting their offers you know at the very beginning of August it's round zero in fact mature students get them in July but for the other students who did this year's leave and serve the results will be out on the 2nd of September and they'll be getting their first round offers in the afternoon of the 8th of September and uh, then available places go up further because not everyone takes up their offer some people defer so what happens then is there's round two offers on the 19th of September I know people last year got round four and five offers into October because if the places are not taken up by people who are offered them in round one, they will subsequently be offered in other rounds, which means people should not panic at any stage. And also, it's always a possibility that, look, at if you fell a few points short or you're a bit disappointed, why not do a further education course in what exactly you want to do, you know, say be nursing or law or, or, you know, or arts or whatever happens to be or science, because that year will stand to you. And people who do further education courses actually do far better when they do go on to third level. They have a far higher chance of completing the course and passing. So it's been very important to stay in education if you can. I know that you know we're in kind of a kind of a time at the moment. Money is tight, but the fact is, you can do a low cost course close to home. You can still work. You can still have your work experience and you prepare for college so that if you don't get in this year, you can hit the ground running next year. And when you look back when you're 60 or 70 or 80 years of age and you look back at one extra year in education, I guarantee you it'll be a year well spent. Absolutely. Fantastic as usual, Dennis. Lots to ponder there. Thank you so much for joining us again today on the show. No problem, Jerry, and thanks for the opportunity. And best of luck to all our Leave and Search students and our Further Ed students as they await their results. I concur with those uh, sentiments indeed. Okay. Thank you, Dennis. That's Dennis Leonard there, Principal of Dunboyne College of Further Education and, of course, a brilliant career guidance counsellor. Boy meets girl, waiting for a star to fall. Well, Miss Louise, girl met boy. Boy met girl on the island last night, for sure. <laughs> so your eyes were out in stocks, were they? Oh, will you stop? <laughs> in the name of St. Christopher, it's the first time I've ever watched it. I was blushing. Danica, Tasha. For oh those who don't God. know about Love Island, last night they had to do a dance, I suppose, for wearing um, basically next to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even Which they wear any day, every day anyway <laughs> on the yeah, island, so there was nothing new there. I, I left making a cup of tea for a little while, so I did, to be honest with you. <laughs> so you need to something stronger <laughs> after it. I was checking out where the nearest defibrillator was to the house. <laughs> anyway, I have to tell you, Miss Louise Walsh is a Love Island aficionado because you have it well sussed out. You know. Ek and Sue and Davide, they, yeah. they're the couple, aren't they, you think? I reckon, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I reckon there's something there between them, even though he says he, you know, has yes. nothing got to do with her because, you know, she went off on him there a few weeks ago. But 
I just think there's something there. And I reckon she'll pick him tonight if she gets ahead of all the oh, other Oh yeah, girls. the girls have to pick tonight so they do in the, the recoupling or whatever you call and it. And there could be a little turn of the <laughs> thing with the, what's his name, Andrew and Nat- Natasha. Natasha, yeah. yeah. You don't like her? No. You don't like no. her at all. She's she's off the island day. She's out of, of, of Louise's island anyway, that's for sure. Anyway, on a serious matter, Peter paid €9.50 for a sausage sambo and a tea. €9.50. Crazy price. Ah, oh, Peter, come off it. Isn't that just mad? And we've another message there saying the prices are ridiculous, Jerry. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. In. Keep sending them to us. 086-1800-658. If you feel you've paid too much for something in little old Ireland. There's somebody having a great uh, conversation on our text number. Hi, Nanny. Thank you very much, Nanny. Hi, Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you are, but uh, you're not talking to Nanny or Sophia. Anyway, we're picking them up here on our number. But anyway, hope you're enjoying the conversation. Uh, I just want to re- read a few more of your comments uh, regarding the price of, of uh, things. Lily says she paid six fifty for a slice of gluten-free cake in a restaurant. And she says, they got a cop on, Jerry. We have to live too. Thank you, Lily. Lovely to hear from you. Ursula's listening to us in the dock this afternoon. Great to have you with us, Ursula. She says, Jerry, I paid €3.50 for a bag of chips. I could have got a bag of spuds for €4. Indeed, you could, Ursula. Get them, peel them, slice them, double fry them in your own chipper at home. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like it. Yes, yes, but the bag of chips. Lovely getting a bag of chips, isn't it, in a chipper and walking, walking with the bag of chips and it getting cooler in the evenings and the vinegar and salt on them. Oh, will you stop? You can't bait it, but they are expensive. They are three fifty for the bag, for sure. And uh, Now, let me remind you that LMFM's Pride Vibes is live. It's our new online radio station playing the biggest hits and shining a light on Irish life with conversations around the issues that matter. Join us as we count down to parades and celebrations across Ireland. Stream it on the LMFM website or app and get more information at pridevibes.ie. Pride Vibes is supported by Volterol, the joy of movement. You can listen live now on lmfm.ie. Which leads me nicely into my Artist of the Week, Miss Diana Ross. And as I mentioned yesterday, Diana went solo and released her first album in 1970, which produced a string of hits. In 72, she appeared in her first movie called Lady Sings the Blues, a story of the life and times of the great Billie Halliday. And indeed, Diana Ross was nominated for a Golden Globe and an Oscar for a performance in that movie. Touch Me in the Morning became her second solo number one before she appeared in her second movie called Mahogany in 1975, which was, to say the least, tempestuous in the making, poorly received by critics, but ironically a box office success. As the 70s moved on, more movies and albums followed, enjoying, you'd have to say, modest success. But the dawn of the 80s would see Diana enjoy phenomenal success and popularity as she moved record labels. But more about this tomorrow. For today, we ease ourselves into the new decade with Diana Ross and this one, a song that has a couple of meanings to Diana herself.
Yes, Miss Diana Ross and I'm coming out. And just a little footnote to that. Uh, when that song was presented to her, she was really worried because she thought it might ruin her career. Remember, it's 1980 because, of course, it's been adapted as an anthem for the LGBTQ community since with great success. But there was another reason because, you see, Diana had just left Motown Records and got away from Barry Gordy's control, her manager, and she felt it was for her release and she was coming out as well. More about and from Diana around about the same time on Late Lunch tomorrow afternoon. Final break this uh, midweek Wednesday and afterwards I'm joined by a lovely lady and she's looking for your help. Anne Wilkinson is with us next. St Padre Pio has a huge devotion uh, right across this country and the world and one woman who is uh, very close to him and has a great devotion to the saint is Anne Wilkinson and she's on the line. Hello Anne. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm delighted to talk to you again, but you're you're worried. Tell us why you're really worried. Well, I'm worried because at the prayer group that we hold on the first Tuesday of every month in Termonfeck and Church, uh, the glove went missing at the end of the Mass. We handed out to people that are sick to bless themselves with. And there was a bit of a, a commotion at the back. Someone got sick and the eye was just taken off the ball for a minute. And when we went looking for the glove, it was gone. So the glove is actually the relic of Padre Pio. It is. It's the glove that he wore over his stigmata. And this is so precious to you and so many other people. And and you are renowned for taking it to people who have great faith and devotion to him and others as well. Yes. Yeah. Over the for nearly forty years now, Gary has been doing it. So when when just to refresh everybody's mind again, it was in Termonfecken Church. When what date? And the, uh, the I think it was the fourth of April. It was the first Tuesday in April. Okay. And we have we have a prayer group once a month, and it's always the first Tuesday of the month. Okay. So we thought maybe someone had it and taken it, and they didn't realise they had it, and they'd bring it the next month, which would have been May. Yeah. And then we saw it last month, but it hasn't come back. So you see, sometimes it's on Green on there have people that go in for you know classes, mm. and if they know the prayer groups on, they come up to the mass. Yeah. It's not always just local people. Mm. So I was thinking maybe someone that was there that night. I I know that it wasn't taken maliciously. Mm. I reckon someone just had it and saw it to get taken off, you know, and uh, maybe just really we're, we're at this stage now just praying and hoping that it'll turn up and that someone will realise they have it and just get in contact with either me or, or the church and, you know, get it back to us. We have our mass, you see, next Tuesday night mm. and a lot of sick people come to get blessed with the glove. Yes. People come from all over and uh, we're, on our, we're also going on our pilgrimage to San Giovanni Roman Assisi on Thursday next week mm. uh, for a week and the Marian pilgrimages. So I normally bring it with me and people from down the country that are there you know, can avail of it and have it for a night when they're in the hotel or whatever. But unfortunately, I don't know whether that's going to happen this year or not. I'm just putting my trust in God that it'll be, we'll have it back soon. You know, I know whoever probably has it, you know, if they're getting comfort enough from it, that's brilliant because that's what it's all about. You know, I have known so many people over the years on their deathbed, really, Jerry, who have, you know, just got so much comfort from having it with them and knowing that, you know, that, that the Padre Pio is there looking after them. Mm. But uh, it's, I'm just bereft at the moment now. I don't know what, where to turn or what to do, to be quite honest with you. Just describe it, will you, please? It's called a mitten, but it's actually a little fingerless glove and it's brown. 
the capuchin habitus brown, so he would have worn these brown gloves over a little pair of white gloves uh, over the stigmata that he had in his hands. And I mean, it's probably over 100 years old, Jerry, you know, mm. this glove. And uh, it's, it was in a little sort of polythene container with a picture of Padre Pio on it. But it would only be the size of a postcard. You know, mm. it wouldn't be much bigger than that. And uh, there was magazines being handed out that night as well. So I'm sure someone had a magazine and slipped it into it thinking that, you know, are just not realising that they were doing it, you know, and yes. maybe they haven't even opened the magazine to have a look mm. inside it, you know. Mm. So look, if you were in Termenfecken, in the church in Termenfecken on the first Tuesday in April, and you took anything with you home and inadvertently have this mitt or glove, as it's called, please do, if it, if it rings a bell with anybody out there, please come next Tuesday to Termin Feckin Church. What time is the Mass at next Tuesday? It's at 7 o'clock, uh, Jerry. Yeah. Seven. Come along next Tuesday to the church and bring it with you and no questions asked. Or if you want to give us a shout here at the radio station, 0419832000, i get in touch with us over the next couple of days. We'll put you in contact uh, with Anne. This is really precious to her, special to so many people and would be a huge loss. That goes without saying, Anne, if you don't get it back. Oh. Oh my goodness, yeah, I don't know what to do. I've had it so long and I said it, it is priceless, you know. It's, and mm. so many people get the benefit of it, you know, that I've had so many people ringing me and the disappointment of having to tell them I don't have it, you know. It's, mm. it's just uh, dreadful. I don't, just don't know what to do. And I know it wasn't taken maliciously. I know that for a fact. Yes. Because no one would do that. Mm. I think someone just has it and doesn't even realise they have yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, inadvertently. I, and that's the yeah. word I use. It's inadvertent. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and and some, it's somewhere. Somebody has it. Somebody has it. I take it uh, immediately you knew, you knew it was gone. You did a search of the church and everything. Not there for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. we did. We did a search of the church and we, you know, because we, at the end of the Mass, it's handed back, you know, and the people know because it's been going for, I mean, the, the prayer group's been going for 40 years mm. and it gets handed back to the next, next person. It's all very private, you know, yeah. but the person was waiting for it and where's the glove and where's, he had it last and, and it just wasn't there. So, I mean, mm. we look through the CCTV but, and, uh, you know, I don't know if, if this doesn't work and we can't get it, we might give it, you know, to the guards to have a look at the, the CCTV. Mm. But maybe they could see something you know, that yes. someone has just put it into their bag and into a, uh, into a magazine and walked out. As I say, you know, I am conscious that people travel. Yeah. It's not all people in the, just the surrounding areas. Mm. That people do travel to go to these prayer groups and uh, that could have been just someone going that night and maybe they weren't well and maybe they were, you know, a bit upset and just didn't realise what they were doing and you know, as I say, put it into the magazine or into their, into their bag. Yes, and so I think it's important to understand as well, you might feel, and, and uh, you mentioned it a moment ago, that you know by holding on to it, it's doing you extra good or whatever, but it's not the case. This is to uh, spread the good and all that comes with it around to people around. who yeah. need it. And that's the idea exactly. behind the whole thing. It, it really, yeah. really is. Look, I, I wish you well. Uh, you've described it uh, perfectly there. I, I, I hope you get it back. I really do. That's why I wanted to talk to you today. This might jog something with somebody. No questions asked. Bring it back. If you want to leave it anonymously in here or with somebody around the church or that as well, you can do that also. But please, please. 
give give it back because it is priceless and precious. It it, it Um, really is. Yeah, thank you so much, Gary. You know, I'm just really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Anne. Nice to talk to you. Wish you well and wish you well with everything and the pilgrimage too. Thank you for joining me. God God bless, Gary. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Anne Wilkinson there. And you can hear how distressed she is. It's a real precious item. So if it jogs with anybody, anything at all, please, please return it as soon as possible. That's a lot on Late Lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Stay with us here on LMFM. Tomorrow we meet the new CEO of the ISPCA. He's local Cyril Sullivan and Sharon Kenny, the matchmaker, is back. You heard it on the news. You've got to beware of the online Lotharios and they're in their droves out there. Anyway, that's coming up at Late Lunch tomorrow afternoon. Have a lovely Wednesday evening and come back and join us one thirty Thursday. See you then. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel and a choice of petrol, diesel or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit blackstonemotors.ie Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.